another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Uh, don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! Here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. And in each episode, I interview guests who have a passion for the Dark Crystal, whether as fans, writers, artists, filmmakers, as well as guests who are being a part of the franchise. I know I'd usually release each episode of Trial by Stone once a month, but because of the excitement that's been surrounding the franchise lately, with Age Resistance currently in production right now, as I'm recording there, filming the show right now, that they're shooting 10 episodes of, you know, Dark Crystal content coming our way in the near future. And as thinking about with that show, um, actually as of uh, about a week or so ago, uh, there was actually an announcement from Fairy Worlds of a Fairy uh, 2018 convention that's actually happening in November in Maryland, USA. And they'll have our special guests, uh, Wendy and Toby Froud. Um, of course, Wendy uh, worked on the Dark Crystal and Toby Froud, who's actually working on the, the Age of Resistance as well, alongside with his mum and dad, Wendy and Brian. And what makes this particular event special is that it is going to be sort of a celebration for the Dark Crystal Age Resistance. Um, and that's with shooting wrapping up in August this year, uh, that by the time of the convention, they'll be able to show something from the show, um, which, which will be very exciting to see what they'll be able to, to talk about with um, Age Resistance since, you know, the whole production is, you know, it's all very secretive and, you know, we don't really know too much about what's what's happening um, with the show. So it's all very exciting stuff. And I mean, you know, as much as I would love to attend, um, I don't think I will be able to, uh, as I'll be actually be flying over to the US in September and because um, it's in November, I don't think I'll be able to afford to do two trips in one year, but I just wanted to let you all know about this uh, FerryCon 2018 that's happening, which seems to be, yeah, you know, a really big celebration for the Dark Crystal. That's definitely worth checking out. And of course, I'll put the link in the show notes uh, for more details about it. Also, to let you all know, of course, some of you may already know about this with Thavim events. Uh, they're actually uh, organizing this big event for bringing the Dark Crystal back on the big screen for two days on the 25th and the 28th of February 2018. And which is very exciting for, you know, because this sort of brings um, an opportunity for new fans and even fans, you know, that grew up with the films that never got a chance to see it um, on the big screen when it first came out in 1982 to attend these screenings, uh, which is which is fantastic. And, and they're doing a special event with the Dark Crystal, and it will also um, that if these events will also contain a featurette featuring uh, Lisa Henson, the president of the Jim Henson Company. And also because of this event, Fathom Events have uh, actually given uh, the podcast Trial by Stone uh, a double pass to one lucky listener to go to to see the Dark Crystal on the big screen on um, one of those two days. So this is what we're going to do with this contest. 
all you have to do, you just got to go to our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. And on top of the page, you will see the episode title, episode 47, the special guest, which I'm going to talk about very shortly. And, um, and then all you need to do is you got to share, like, and comment on, on that post. And for each thing that you do, you, you get a chance of winning. So if you actually do all those three, we're sharing, liking, and commenting on that, on that episode post um, with episode 47, then you get a total of three chances of winning. And then I'll then choose a winner five days after the podcast has been out and we'll contact the winner via Facebook to get your details for your free double pass. Good luck to everyone and I hope you'll be able to uh, spread the word and and, and, and share the, the episode uh, to everyone because on this episode, I have a very special guest. So since starting the podcast, this particular guest has sort of been on my list from the start, someone who I've always wanted to have on the show and now I finally got the chance to actually chat to her, um, Cheryl Hansen, for this episode of Trial by Stone. Cheryl Hansen is the president of the Jim Hansen Foundation, uh, which is a non-profit group that provides grant funding to puppetry arts programs and is a member of the board of directors at the Jim Hansen Company. And she's been the number one fan of the Dark Crystal since its inception and supported her father, Jim Hansen, throughout the years with the Dark Crystal and helped work on the film, and as well as uh, founding the official website for The Dark Crystal at darkcrystal.com, which has been a fantastic uh, resource for all things uh, with The Dark Crystal. Like, there's a lot of things that you can actually check out on darkcrystal.com. I know I've talked about this website um, several times in the past um, in the past episodes of Trial by Stone, but for, for those that are sort of new to to this uh, podcast, um, it, it is a great website that there's different things about the mythology that sort of gives you sort of a timeline of uh, the events that occur and as well as um, the making of timeline and encyclopedia. So it goes through all the different um, details about all the characters and creatures and with the Skeksis and the Mystics and the Gelflings and, and, and so much more. So it, it is... It is and I mean, the big thing with the website has been its contests that they've um, done many contests through the darkcrystal.com. And of course, the first one was the author quest that sort of started it all and um, really brought a lot of excitement um, when, the, when, the, when the website uh, was launched um, back in 2013. And of course, I had a fantastic time uh, chatting to Cheryl Hansen. Um, as you'll listen to it very, very shortly. So, without further ado, let's go to the Podling Village to chat to Cheryl Henson. And like I said, I hope you'll enjoy this interview. I will have to say, uh, you know, I actually started this podcast that it all kind of started with uh, the website uh, that you uh, founded or created with uh, darkcrystal.com and um, you know that I posted on the forums on there, there was people that were sort of interested in doing uh, a podcast all about the Dark Crystal and um, from there since um, well, I think when I launched it in August uh, 2014, I've sort of been, been at it for a couple of years and, and it's just been, and right now, I mean, it's just a, such a very exciting time for all things Dark Crystal. 
It certainly is. I'm so excited that this came, that you were inspired by the website to do this podcast. I had not heard that. And I think that that is really marvelous. I do want to correct one thing that I, in, I um, am the founder of the Dark Crystal Dot com, but I'm not the creator of it, that there's actually a wonderful team of people at the Jim Henson Company who actually created it. And as you know, when you create a website, there are uh, design elements and technical elements. There's so many different pieces. And I think that they just did uh, an extraordinary job. And both my sister Lisa and I were involved in what the content would be. But the true creators of the website um, deserve that credit, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no, yeah, totally. Both, yeah, yeah. Both, yeah. Both Lisa and I were really excited about putting together that website. There was so much interesting information that had been gathered over the years, um, that gathered together and created for the uh, sequel film, for The Power mm. of the Dark Crystal, for yeah, so. the animated series that they're working on, for um, and different ideas that, that had um, been talked about around the world of Thra and the idea of putting all of that together in one place so that fans could get a sense of the entire world and then to invite people to uh, visualize that world and create within that world. And then we ran that author quest competition mm. um, where everything, where they would be inspired by all of the clans and the creatures and the world of the Dark Crystal. We really had so, so much fun with that. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, for any of the listeners there, you know, you can actually uh, check out it on darkcrystal.com. There is a section um, down below for um, site credits. So you can actually check out um, the credits of everyone uh, who worked on the darkcrystal.com website. Uh, I thought I'd make mention about that. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people that went into it to, uh, to, to make it all uh, happen. And, and I also, I want to mention not only the author quest, but I was so delighted by the work that came in for the creature competition and also for the, the film competition that we ran. There's just so much creativity out there. And there, the, the Dark Crystal fans are a really unique group. And I'm just so inspired by uh, what came back. Yes, yeah. I mean, that, that was the great thing about, um, you know, with these contests that started with the author quest and then, you know, um, on the website, you yeah, uh, did several other uh, contests as well with, with the fan film competition, uh, which was very exciting and actually just great to see. Yeah, just a lot of, you know, um, filmmakers that were inspired by the Dark Crystal sort of uh, give their own take um, on the world of Thra. And um, yes, yeah. It's really fun. We actually did two fan film uh, uh, festivals. We've actually done three sets of screenings. The first set of screenings was was at the Jim Henson Company on the Charlie Chaplin lot, um, and that was great. That was for the many of the filmmakers, but also for the Jim Henson Company. Um, and then we recently did a fan film festival at the Atlanta Center for Puppetry Arts, um, where I'm very active at the Atlanta Center for Puppetry Arts because we have a we've worked together with them on a Worlds of Puppetry Museum, and half of that museum is the Jim Henson Collection. And in the Jim Henson Collection at the uh, Center for Puppetry Arts, we have a whole Dark Crystal section. And um, they're actually getting ready. They're putting together a whole Dark Crystal exhibition that will open at Dragon Con next year um, in, in Labor Day of 2018. And so we're really excited about that exhibit coming up. We also did a fan film festival at the 
um, Mopop, which is in Seattle, where there's a traveling exhibit of my father's work that comes out of the Museum of the Moving Image. Um, and they also have a really nice dark crystal section. Um, so we were able to, we were screened the original dark crystal, but together with um, the top films of the fan films uh, before uh, before the film, and they were screened on this enormous LED screen. It was absolutely glorious. It was a huge, huge screen, and it was really quite spectacular. So, again, those artists um, and filmmakers really, really made some great work, and they did it on, so many of them were made on a shoestring. You could tell that they just got their friends together, their family together. They put to, they made their own Gelflings. They made their own uh, Skeksis and, and they, you know, put on a show. They were fantastic. I highly recommend people uh, checking out those fan films. They're pretty wacky. Yeah, no, they, they, they were uh, fantastic. <laughs> and, um, and like, I mean, I'm just uh, trying to think, I mean, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, recently you had the contest with the designer new creature for the dark crystal mm. age of resistance. And I think you posted something that you had thousands of entries. Um, yes. that. <laughs> they have thousands and thousands. In fact, they're still uh, going through them. Um, yeah. I think they had over 3000 entries. And so yeah. I, they're still going through them and they're going to uh, bring it down to a smaller number. And then Wendy Froud, and Brian Froud and myself and uh, Lisa, and I'm not sure who else is on the team that will be reviewing the smaller grouping, but it's very exciting. Very exciting. It is. Yeah. And, and yeah, I certainly hope to, you know, if, if there's any more, you know, sort of contests or any, um, yeah, things that will happen on darkcrystal.com. I think it's, um, yeah, just very exciting. Um, with all that. And, and, and so I just uh, wanted to ask, I mean, cause on each show I, I asked everyone, you know, how, how did, they, how did you uh, discover the Dark Crystal? And I know you've been uh, closely associated with the film, you know, through your father, Jim. And so I just want to know, yeah, from your perspective of, you know, how, how did you found out about the Dark Crystal? And I guess what were some of your memories, um, you know, during, during that period of time um, with the Dark Crystal? Right. Yeah. Well, my father first started talking about doing a, an epic film with lizard-like creatures. And it came from a combination of, um, of ideas that he had. He wanted to do something that was completely different from the Muppets. Uh, it was the height of the success of the Muppet Show. Um, and he was getting a lot of attention for the Muppets, but he had always, he was always a very um, curious artist. He always wanted to keep doing new things and new things and new things. And so the success of the Muppets actually just catapulted his ambition to do something different from the Muppets into a whole different, onto a whole different level. You know, so he had been successful at Sesame Street, he was successful at the Muppets, but he really wanted to do something completely different. And the idea of doing a, an epic um, that would have these dark creatures and that the idea is that the creatures would really feel like they inhabited the world. And so the idea of the film started there. The idea of an entire world that had no people. It was not part of our world. It was a whole new world. That's really where it came from. Um, and then he was shown a book of Brian Frouds. Um, and particularly one illustration. Um, and then from that, he then saw a whole book of Brian's work. And um, 
I believe he had a meal with, with Brian, and Brian invited him down to Chagford in Devon. And so I was actually with my father on that trip, and it was just the two of us. It was quite a long drive to get from London down to Chagford. But then you get to Chagford, and it's an extraordinary landscape. Um, so I'll start with the landscape, because we saw the landscape before we saw Brian. And the landscape is so um, unlike any other landscapes. It's actually more like the landscape in the Dark Crystal than it is like what we think of as England. Um, the Dartmoor is very barren, all of these enormous rocks and, and winds and just beautiful, but quite barren. And then in between the hills of the moor, there are these little streams and the streams are so green and so alive and the rocks are all covered with moss and you really could believe that Brian's creatures could actually be living there in these little crags of life. So then we went to visit Brian, and um, Brian was living in in the home of Alan Lee. And Alan Lee and Brian had created the Book of the Fairies together. And of course, Alan Lee is an extraordinary uh, art director. Um, but at that point, the two of them were illustrators. Yeah. And I, I guess I just let the listeners know. I think Alan Lee, he was um, one of the sort of the main illustrators for, I guess, his most uh, well-known work is for uh, The Lord of the Rings, um, correct? Correct, yes. Yes, marvelous, marvelous illustrator. So the two of them um, had this little house, and Brian was renting the top floor, and it was really an artist's garret. It had little, you know, dormers on the windows. It was little, and, and he was, was an illustrator, but he was really interested in bringing his illustrations to life. And so he had done some sculptures of them, and, and um, he was really cute intrigued by this whole idea of bringing them into physical form. And so my dad and Brian hit it off. They really enjoyed each other's company. And um, my dad invited him to come to New York and start working towards this film. Now, the film didn't have any script yet. Um, and my dad was really most interested in coming up with what the world would be. So that's one of the reasons why when we did the darkcrystal.com, we were so interested in setting up the world and letting people know about the world of Thra. Just the whole idea that the world was being created first and that these days films are always the script first. Yes, but yeah. then it was the world first. And then out of the world came the characters and the look of the characters. And they were de developing also techniques of how they were going to bring these Froudian characters to life. So what, what was my role in it? I was uh, 16 years old and I was completely intrigued by, by this world creating. I was intrigued by everything about it. I, I think because I got to be with my father on that first trip down to Chagford and got to meet Brian in his world that I felt very much a part of it. And it just mattered to me. Um, and I think looking back on it, I think that the fact that it mattered so much to me actually did help inspire my father over the years to stick with it because it was not an easy film to complete. Um, he really had to put so much into it, not just time and money, but also it was just so all-consuming at certain times. 
And not everybody believed in this film. Not everybody at the Jim Henson Company, not everybody in the in in Hollywood. It was there were a lot of people who really didn't understand why he was focusing so much of his time and and effort and money on such an unknown project when he had a burden hand that he had set, he was working on Sesame Street he had the Muppets the Muppets were doing so so well so what he really needed to do was to satisfy was and he loved doing the Muppet movies he loved oh, doing yes, the Muppets yeah, yeah. it's not that he didn't absolutely adore doing that but he also wanted to keep his creativity challenged and he wanted to make this world it was just so interesting to him yes yeah i think yeah just to, you know to, to do to do, to do different things to keep the creative um spark going um in different directions and yeah of course i guess you know at the, around at that time of the dark crystal that yeah it was such a, a big risk because uh you know for jim he's always been associated with the muppets and sesame street so for for you know for jim to do something like of this epic scale like the dark crystal was sort of unlike anything yeah and also you have to remember that he had not directed a feature film before um when he started on dark crystal he had directed a lot of television but he had never directed a feature film that the the Muppet movie was directed by Jim Frawley, and my father learned a lot on that film. And my father had made short films, but he'd never done a full feature. And so, and this feature was so monumental in scale, it was so huge. And so um, he invited Frank Oz to co direct it with him, uh, partially because he knew that he wanted to play Jen. And you really, it's very difficult to be under the set, to be under a puppet and directing at the same, same time. time. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. But also because he really, really wanted uh, the backup of having Frank's uh, brilliant uh, creative mind together with him um, to figure out how they're going to do this. But Frank also had not directed a feature film. No, no. So they, yeah. were, they were really jumping in the deep end here <laughs> with a yeah. project of this scale. And they were very brave. Yes, but um, they wanted they were, to. Yeah. Yeah. They and, surrounded themselves with very, very talented and very experienced people, yes, and yeah. so that that really, really helped a lot. But I'll go back to what was my role in it. Um, but I guess technically, my main role is that I built a lot of uh, environmental creatures. I built, um, you know, plants that ran away. I built a rock that. Uh, had a had a tongue and grabbed a little fly and ate it up. That never made it into the movie. Um, I had a wonderful time. I had I took a year off between high school and college, and moved to London and worked with the Creature Shop, um, first on the Muppet Show and then on the Dark Crystal. And it was an, it was a fantastic period of time. It was early on in the production when there was still a lot of experimentation going on. Um, I particularly enjoyed working with the Oxford Scientific Film Company um, that Duncan Kenworthy had a connection to and brought in to do some experimental work for doing miniatures, um, shooting miniatures with the telescopic lens um, where could, they could track through it. So the, these... It, it was an experimental idea that they did not wind up using in the film, but it was but it was really fascinating and groundbreaking, and I kind of wish that some of that had gotten in, um, it because it was so it was so interesting. Um, so I worked on that, and and then 
after my freshman year of college, I returned um, to when they were in production and got to work as a set, a, a puppet wrangler, um, which is where you help to take care of the puppets, to dress them and to set them and things like that. So it was a fascinating project to me. Um, but I do feel like my primary role on the film was as a fan, that I was there cheerleading my father from the first moment. And I was just a wide eyed, eager audience for the story that he was telling. And everything about it was interesting to me. I was so, I was so fascinated by the concept of the division of the Erskex that how these creatures divide were divided and they're not neither one is all good you know the mystics are have their own faults that the that the skexis are bad but they're not all bad that there's that they are part of each other i feel like my father at the period of time was very interested in in, in eastern um philosophy and and um spirituality and that he was interested in a lot of different uh, constructs, a lot of different, a wide range of ideas. And I think that um, what he brought to this world um, was influenced by a, a wide range of the reading and thinking that he was doing at the time. Yeah. And and I guess like, I mean, uh, so I might backtrack a bit, um, you know, with, um, I guess with all the landscapes and stuff, it just sort of came to my mind because I was actually, I actually did watch the dark crystal probably a couple of days ago. And just, I mean, that's one of my, uh, you know, favorite moments about, um, in the film with, with the landscapes, um, before you see the shot of, um, Jen holding the shard and, um, just in that environmental scene. And I think there was even, you know, th there's even the things about the film that you just, um, notice things for the first time that you never noticed before. And I think one of the examples for me was, um, with, with, uh, Kira's introduction and the sort of the medium shot of her sort of, you know, walking towards Jen and you can see like a, just a bird flying in the background. I'm just like, Oh, I never noticed that before. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, I do have a story about that bird though. Oh, dear. I like it. Cool. Um, well, I remember that that bird broke and my father was very frustrated because the two guys who'd built it were trying to fix it. Yeah. And it was a very big set. There are a lot of people working on it. And he was getting frustrated because it was taking them a long time to fix the broken bird. Okay. And he said <laughs> that for the time that was wasted, the cost of running the set, mm. the time that that it took them to fix it, he could have hired them for another year to build a better bird. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was part of his lesson about you spend the money mm. to build it right. Yeah. So it doesn't break. Break, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and of course, he was both the producer and the director, and he wound up buying back the negative. He was very concerned about um the cost of of filming it you know but he also was aware that you need to build it really well first yeah, <laughs> yeah. and those yeah. poor guys they they were really working hard and i don't know what exactly had gone wrong but they were they were definitely um trying to fix it fast <laughs> yeah of course yeah um and, and, and they did yeah 
Yes, of course. And, and you remember it. Yeah, and I do, see, yeah. And it matters. Here's the, it matters that my father let them fix it. Yeah. And took that time instead of saying, oh, well, forget it. Don't do the bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. They could have let easily done fix that. It. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was in the shot and you saw it and you brought it up and it mattered to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's all the little details that really matter. Yeah. But I'll say one other thing about the landscapes. Um, when I did my big rock that that had a tongue at the base of it um had all these little little feather anemones um and our family had just discovered scuba diving that summer um and we had done our first scuba diving trip in the caribbean and the underwater world was so mind-bogglingly beautiful the colors and the corals and the anemones and the way that these creatures sea creatures would just completely pull into themselves and uh, disappear and i tried to recreate that with these feathers um and i feel like there are elements of that landscape now my feathers did not make it into the final production but the um it, it the set decorators created these wonderful ones that do a similar movement. And I feel like there's quite a bit in that landscape that is in, informed by the, this underwater world um, in terms of the coral and the really um, creating vegetation that is similar to our own, but is not what we see when we look at a forest, you know, like, I just feel like there's a, so much effort and attention put to every detail. And um, you see that in the landscapes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was the thing, I guess, uh, you know, with the making of the dark crystal was that everything was, you know, made by hand. Like there wasn't really anything that you could take from, you know, from the real world to, oh, we can put that on the set or whatnot, that everything was designed and created um, you know, specifically for the dark crystal. So yeah, it was just a big, yeah. yeah. You, you say that although <laughs> the last time I saw it, I did catch a few uh, plastic flowers. Ah. <laughs> I was like, Wait a second, what? And I was, was... like, what? Yeah. Wait a second, that's plastic vegetation. What's that? And yeah. it's because the HD, now things are, now the print is so crystal clear mm. that I feel like you can actually see things and notice things that you might not have noticed before. Yeah. And there are a couple of, um, of wide shots in the land, in landscape, which I believe was in Scotland, of mm. uh, when Kieran Shaw is playing Jen, yes, yeah. um, where it actually is our world. But it's not our world as we think of it, but it is in fact our world. Yes, so yeah. as much as I like to say it was all created by hand, <laughs> oh, there's this plastic foliage and there <laughs> now is and then, beautiful yep. Scottish landscape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, which is so good. I mean, and, th- and that's sort of the exciting thing about, um, you know, with with, the, with incredible details and stuff, um, especially with the Dark Crystal uh, getting a, a 4K Blu-ray release um, very soon. So um it's um yeah very exciting yeah yeah and it's marvelous that here they're going to be actually screening that in movie theaters coming up oh yes which is very yeah. really cool to yeah. actually because what's the point of making a print like that if you can't um see it on a giant screen so absolutely yeah 
and and that is uh, through uh, Thabam Events. So I'll put that link on the show notes uh, for because I know you can purchase tickets right now uh, to the event, and it's on the t- February twenty fifth and twenty eighth um, is when when uh, the two day screenings are on. So you can go to the website and um, put in your postcode to see if there's any uh, cinemas near nearby to uh, to check it out. Um, but yeah, yes. no, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and our, our puppet building workshop here in New York will be attending uh, the uh, the screening on the twenty eighth at Kaufman Astoria Studios. So, cool. There you uh, go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll definitely. Um, let listeners know about that as well. So, um, yeah, that, that that is great to hear, um, Cheryl. And um, I guess like you know, with the film, I like I know you being you know closely associated. I, I guess you know who would be your sort of your favorite character. And and or and um you know your favorite scene uh from the film. Well, being sixteen years old when it was being made, and actually it did take mm. five years. Yeah, it took a so yeah, long time. So over the yeah. course, from I guess fifteen to twenty, or or sixteen to twenty one, I guess. Um, but I'd have Kira. I was I felt so connected to Kira, and I just thought Kira was was marvelous. I loved Kira. If I'm going to talk about a great scene with Kira, yeah. I think my favorite scene with Kira, of course, is when her wings come out and they're jumped down. And she's like, of course, silly. I'm yeah. a girl. Yeah. Um, there's just something so delightful about that. And it also is a reminder that they're not human. No, no. That, yeah, they're a sort of, they're, you know, they're, they're gelflings, so they're not humans, but they're not too, but they're not elves, you know, elflings or elves of that you know, of what we know of elves, you know, for, um, you know, with the other fantasy genres and stuff, that they are sort of their own, um, their own thing, yeah, which makes them, which mm-hmm. makes them unique, yeah. Oh my, so much good stuff in that film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah, it's, and such an incredible film that sort of, it, you know, even 35 years later, um, that it still holds up very well um, to its day and still, you know, you know, the live action film, you know, with no humans and um, it's, it's just, a, and, you know, now as we sort of enter into this sort of new era um, of Dark Crystal, uh, which is uh, so, so exciting, you know, with, I mean, I guess, you know, I have to say about like with the announcement that happened, I think on May the 18th with the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance was probably the biggest surprise <laughs> in Dark Crystal fandom. It, and, and, and it was something that sort of, none of the fans saw coming and you know fans were blown away with the news and and there was like quite a few facebook groups out there were lighting up with post after post about this you know announcement um that the jim henson company and netflix are working on together with the dark crystal um age of resistance um so it was like an incredible moment in, in fandom in, in its way i i will have to say um I, I don't know if you know i don't know how much we'll be able to talk about it but just, I, just a couple little questions sort of about it. I mean, first of all, how hard was it actually to keep it all a secret before it was all revealed? Because I reckon that must have been pretty hard to keep. <laughs> I, um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance is an extraordinary project. And I have to say that it really is my sister, Lisa, who has driven this project. And um, she is so dedicated to it. And also the other executive producers at Henson, Hallie Stanford, and Blanca List. And the director is extraordinary, Louis Latourier. Um, and I think they're just doing an amazing job. You know, they're in production now. 
Um, and I was very lucky to get to visit right before the week before they started production. Um, I, I got to visit and see the shops and it's just glorious work. And I think I can say that much. I mean, it's what they're doing is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And they, they're physically building, rebuilding the crystal chamber, the, um, this entire world. And it's, and they're doing real puppets, you know, they're making, they, they're real puppets performed by real puppeteers and it's just extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And sort of going, you know, just going back to, you know, to doing puppets, um, you know, with the dark crystal, I know, I know there was always, you know, some concern about whether they would go, you know, going that CGI um, sort of direction, but um, I'm fantastic to hear about that, you know, sort of uh, continuing that tradition, going back to, you know, to do to continue using puppetry um, to tell the story uh, within the world of the Dark Crystal. So, well, the physicality of puppets is really um, is really something else. You know, it, it, they exist in the physical world; that they're practical effects. And I think that subconsciously, you know that your brain knows that they're there, um, and that it's different from animation or CGI. And I'm also a big fan of puppetry myself. I run the Jim Henson Foundation, which is all dedicated to the art of puppetry. And so we do grants to artists who are developing new works of puppet theater. Um, and we see a very wide range of work. And there are some excellent, excellent puppeteers out there in the world. And they are very often under-recognized. Um, but the work is just extraordinary. Increasingly, there's some individuals who are getting their work out online um, so more people can see it. But here in New York City, there's a very active puppet community with quite a lot of um, of theater happening with puppetry. Sort of funny, I'm so used to using that phrase, puppet community. They're, mm. they're not actually <laughs> puppets living in little cottages, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, artists that... Uh, work on each other's shows, support each other's work, and um, are interested in keep the vitality and the, the energy alive in the world, in, the, in creating new puppetry. Yeah, and I think it's been, um, you know, sort of exciting, you know, seeing, I mean, with the Dark Crystal, but also with other projects, um, you know, I mean, I mean, outside the Jim Henson Company that uh, being uh, making films with, with puppetry, um, I mean, one of the examples I could just think of off the top of my head is um, Yama Song, uh, mm, yes. March of the Hollows. And um, and I had a chance to interview um, uh, Sam Koji Hale. Um, the interviewed him for uh, an episode of the podcast um, months ago. So, and that was great sort of hearing about his, um, his point of view, you know, with the puppetry and what style that he went with and how it sort mm -hmm. of inspired him as well, you know. Um, yes. With the work, yeah, yeah. He's really wonderful. He's been working closely with my sister, Heather Henson, on a series of films called Handmade Puppet Dreams. And the Yama song, when it's a shorter version, the, the original Yama song um, was part of Handmade Puppet Dreams. And Sam has been very supportive of a wide range of puppet artists moving into film and helping them to develop their work in, in, in short form puppet films. Um, some of the some of the handmade puppet dream films are available at on Filmstruck, um, which is a streaming service here in the United States, 
And that's only just recent that those have become available. And they're really, really beautiful work. I would just feel like there is so much potential in puppetry. And I see more and more artists who are discovering puppetry as a medium to work in. Um, also, these days, with the combination of technology and video and live, um, live feed video on stage, that very there's a lot of innovation taking place um, that incorporates puppetry. That includes puppetry as one of the mediums that they're playing with, one of the one of the tools in the toolbox, as they say. And I really love that. I love that artists are um, interdisciplinary and really experimenting. And and not um, not afraid to try puppetry to include puppetry in in what they're doing, um, but that's different from the Dark Crystal. With Dark Crystal, it's yes, yeah, of course, all yeah. puppetry. Yeah, <laughs> all <laughs> the way. It's not just puppetry yeah. is being included. It's like it's puppetry. <laughs> yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, no, which is which is so exciting. And um, and I guess um, yeah, I mean they, they've started shooting with with the show and. And it seems like everything's going uh, fantastic, you know, with the shooting of the show. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a very exciting time. I, I think, you know, the release date, I know it hasn't been officially announced, but I know it's been uh, been a lot of talk about, I think, whether it's going to be, I think, in 2019, that seemed to be mm-hmm. um, the year. Yeah, so, yeah. But there's a lot That's of secrecy yeah. around it. There's, yes. there's, <laughs> it is a very, very secret situation because they want to wait and have everything ready Yes, to yeah. be seen at once, you know. Yes, I've yeah. only just recently discovered binge watching, and it's one of the great joys of modern technology to be able to get so involved in a story that you can just go from one episode to the next, and you don't have to wait a week before you get to see the next episode. You can, you can go get a bowl of ice yeah. cream and come back and watch the next one it's yeah, ex- just it's kind of glorious really yeah and, and i think what was more exciting like uh with age of resistance um i think um one of the uh exec producers um J- jv um also on the writers as well on the show and i think he um revealed that they're getting i mean they're 10 episodes but they're one hour long episodes so just the thought of you know trying to binge watch 10 hours of dark crystal is this um no maybe you could yeah. spread it over a week maybe, <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah you don't have to binge watch it all at once <laughs> yeah but it it's pretty extraordinary and is, i think yeah, my father yeah. i think my father would really be so thrilled he would be so proud and so thrilled to see that this world is coming back to life because when it first came out, it it really had it struggled to find an audience, and um, there were times when my father was really very concerned that it would not find an audience at all. And it's a little bit of a it, it's quite extraordinary that um, technology has allowed this film to to find the people that really care about it, and. Um, and I just think he would be completely delighted, absolutely delighted yeah, <laughs> to see what's I, I, happening I, today. Yeah I, yeah, I would think so too. And um, and, I, and I guess, you know, even like, you know, with this age resistance that it's going to bring, you know, more people into the world, you know, of the Dark Crystal as well. So there's a lot of, you know, yeah, um, things to look forward to. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just a very, yeah, you know, I'm just very excited about, you know, these new dark crystal projects that are you know coming out you know not only with age of resistance but uh we still got um jm lee's um books uh with that started with shadows and song of the dark crystal 
and um, and quite a few other th- um, projects um, I think that are uh, in in the works. Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, and actually, we, it, when people want to know what the series is going to be like, mm-hmm. I direct them to um, Joey's novels because those are the only things out there that are taking place in the same time period in the same world as the as the upcoming series so if people want to get a flavor of what that world is like um that's a really great place to start yeah and and that is with um shadows and shadows of the dark crystal and the second book in the series of the four book series song of the dark crystal so they're, they're all out right now just for the listeners uh, that want to definitely check them out. And, and I have done in the past um, discussions on um, well, with Shadows of the Dark Crystal and and will in future shows we'll be doing more discussions, you know, with Song of the Dark Crystal. And, and of course, when Age of Resistance is going to come out, I'm sure there'll be a lot of episodes uh, breaking down each episode of um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. So, yeah, there's a lot to look Good. forward to, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot to break down. I mean, there is so much detail and there's so much complexity and the characters are really rich. Um, I feel like the writing's uh, just ex- extraordinary. I think the writing is really excellent, which yeah. is kind of funny because the the – dialogue in the original film as you i'm sure you've heard was um a, a great deal of it the mm. dialogue for the skexis in particular was all yes, added yeah. after the film was completed and after it had its first screening and i, I guess that was a thing yeah like you mentioned in it, we, in the making of the original film that they did record you know in a different language with the skexis and had to change it up in post-production because it just wasn't connecting to an audiences. Whereas I guess, you know, with this age of resistance, um, dialogue is already written way in advance for the Skeksis that they'll be lip syncing it to, to the English dialogue. Um, so yeah. Yes. So, so I guess they're performing it. They are performing it. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's not lip syncing. They are not recording ahead of time. Um, so it's, it's not like animation. They will be performing. Yeah. Performing. uh, Yes. Yeah. Um, and but the story of the original languages is that my father worked with um, some really wonderful linguists, and they came up with like a version of what they thought ancient Egyptian would sound like, and and a version of ancient Greek. And they had the Skeksis speaking their, this sort of playful interpretation of what this linguist thought ancient Egyptian would be and the mystics were doing the ancient Greek and it was in order to bring depth to those characters and also making a statement that they were separate species so why would they speak the same language but then it didn't work for the audience at all the audience just checked out when they when the characters were speaking in a language they didn't understand. So they had to go back in and, and um, create some dialogue that would help the audience along. It would b- bring them in more. Yeah. And I, re- I think I remember like in those special features, I think with David O'Dell, the, the writer of the dark crystal. So was, I think he d- mentioned about how much of how it was a bit of a challenge uh, trying to come up with new dialogue for the Skeksis just based yes. on, you know, how many times they're opening their mouths, you know, the syllables and whatnot to just to, to get it, um, to get it all, all good. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, as fans, you know, we're just all very excited for what the future holds uh, for the Dark Crystal. And I think we're just at, a, at the very beginning um, of the things to come. 
I think so too. I think people are going to love it, love the new series. And I'm so glad that, that the film found an audience and that there is a fan base out there across the world that remember Dark Crystal, that are interested in Dark Crystal, that are going to come to the screenings and to have the Netflix series on actually in production is just absolutely extraordinary. And I'm so proud of my sister Lisa and all of that team um, for making that happen. It's, it's a great group of people. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal chamber! Now that's all the time I have for this episode of Trial by Stone. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. We also have a Facebook group page called the Dark Crystal Podcast Listeners Group. Just search for us on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. We're also on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast. We also have a Patreon campaign happening with the podcast. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. And if you can give us a review on Facebook or on iTunes, that'd be greatly appreciated. I hope you all enjoyed the show and come back next time for more Trial by Stone.